Welcome to Mose 15, the reunion. I am Nathan. My site was uh, Makomia in Cabo Delgado province. And I worked in health at a small community-based organization uh, trying to prevent HIV. And then I also helped to start a preschool. And if that's not enough to remind everyone of who you are, is there how else might we remember you 10 to 12 years ago? I don't look very different than I did back then, I think, uh, but I'm I'm a white guy. I have brown curly hair. I'm not all that tall. I had at some point, um, I had a faux hawk during training, so that might help you remember. Did you have a beard in the Peace Corps? Uh, no, I don't think so. You have a, yeah, he has a beard now, if anyone gets to see him. <laughs> I do. And what have you been up to the last 10 to 11 years? Uh, well, I, I lived in Seattle. That's where I landed, uh, which is where I grew up. That's where I landed after Peace Corps. I was there for a couple of years and then I, um, went to grad school in Chicago and then I ended up in New Orleans, which is where I live now. So, uh, professionally I was a counselor at a group home for, um, adolescent male sex offenders. And then I started graduate school for a doctorate in psychology. And then I moved to New Orleans after I graduated. Now I'm a psychologist. And and my wife uh, was with me for basically all of that as well. What should more people know about adolescent male sex offenders? Well, I didn't know anything about them before I started working with them. It, it was kind of a, I, I think I got into that job because after the Peace Corps, I was like, well, I still want to do things that help people, um, like working directly with people, you know? So loosely, it's kind of related, but it's definitely not international. But um I think it's probably cliche, I guess, but that most sex offenders that I worked with anyway had a history of being abused themselves. Um, and so I had a, I started to have more compassion. I mean, some of the stuff they did was really horrible reading about it in their charts and stuff, but then I'd, I'd listen to their stories beyond that and I would realize, oh, there's, this is a really sad, scared kid, you know, and that's one thing. And what was your initial role? Well, I think I was called a residential youth counselor. So I kind of helped them with everything. It's like treatment plan, like a loose kind of treatment plan uh, for their like therapy and group therapy. I would help run groups, but I would also like sometimes cook them breakfast, take them outside to run and play sports and stuff. I mean, it's interesting when people live at a group home, like they, you become their surrogate parents sort of because they don't have parents there if they're institutionalized so it's it's um yeah it's a, it's a strange kind of existence I think for them but anyway that that's yeah so I did everything there and this is government it was county or by the government yeah okay. it was a nonprofit that I worked for though okay and so at what point did you decide I want to be a psychologist I think it was when I was a counselor there, it was like partly a mental health counselor and you reach the, the ceiling really quickly. There's, they, you know, there's no way to really make more money or do other things until you go back to school. And so I was like, oh, I want to go back to school. So I talked to lots of people like, oh, would I want to go get a, a social work degree when I want to do psychology or counseling? And, and then I ended up going with psychology because it was the most um, like flexibility after school. Like you can do so many different things with that one degree. 
Yeah, I, I think it, it was mostly because I really wanted to work with people one on one in that like kind of mm, it, like in a helping relationship. So which part of Mo Mozambique led you to to doing the counseling then? I, I really imagined myself working in international aid kind of for my career. I, I studied international relations in college and that's what I thought I would do. And it seemed like a very, even, even during the Peace Corps, it seemed like a very sexy life, you know, like moving different places every couple of years or every few years, you know, you, you're like vacationing and kind of exotic places. And it just seemed really, and, and I mean, I guess you can make a decent amount of money like the quality of life has seemed good. So that's what I envisioned for myself. Um, and then when I was in the Peace Corps and I came back, I, I, I was, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. It was just too, mm, not close enough to family. I don't know. I don't, I don't quite know exactly. That, I mean, it seems like a really fun lifestyle, but it wasn't for me. Um, and I think that psychology was a different way to do it, but, um, but it has fulfilled the same kind of part of me like connecting with people, being curious about them, wanting to support them and it, like on an interpersonal or individual level, rather than community wide or systemic, you know, did meeting your wife change that, change that bug or something travel bug just cured it. Uh, no, no. I think I, even before meeting her, I knew I, I wanted to be a little more consistent or stable or something like that but I guess I could have done that with her too I know people do that but it wasn't for me and what makes you happy now I like uh, a lot of variety and balance and so each every day I'm I'm always thinking about that of like because the work that I do can be pretty intense and then being a dad which I'm sure we'll get to later is also pretty intense and so like having a good balance between the things that I'm doing uh, with my kids, with work, trying to, I don't know, do like exercise and talk to friends and that kind of thing. But having a good balance makes me happy. So this question came up because some people's jobs were a little ambiguous about what they actually do. Mm -hmm. But I actually haven't been using it because most people's jobs since I wrote this question kind of makes sense. But when do people call you professionally? Well, they call me when they feel stuck. And a lot of the people that I work with are dealing with trauma. So when they're, when they've been traumatized, often they call me. Are you specializing in trauma? Do you, do you work at a specific, a specific place that deals with? Yeah, I, I work at a, at a hospital at the burn center. So people who have been like catastrophic burns, they meet with me. Should there be a psychologist? more readily available for Peace Corps volunteers in country, after country, any take you have on it. Yeah, I think there probably should be, I, I, and I don't know, I'm, I would imagine that Peace Corps had those services available if you needed them, but like Isadora was the medical person. It probably would have been nice to have a mental health person too, just, just like available if you needed a few sessions, kind of like, you know, like workplaces now have employee, what do they call EAP? like assistance program or you can, you can, if you need, you can talk to them a, a few sessions for free, that kind of thing. That probably would have been a good idea. But I remember actually that you remember when you filled out the the questionnaire to be part of the Peace Corps, that there was all these questions about mental health history. So I wonder if they 
you know, and maybe that's intentional to screen out people that have uh, mental health history. I can think off the top of my head a few stories of people going through things that are pretty traumatic as volunteers. So yeah, I'm sure it could be helpful. What's most surprising about you now, considering who you were before we left Moe's? When I was thinking about this, I thought that I have a, a very, I, I really like my life. Um, Is that the surprising part? <laughs> yeah, right. No, that's not surprising. But but what is surprising is that it's quite traditional or more structured than I would have thought it would be. Uh, I, you know, in the Peace Corps and in my early 20s, I was more like, you know, wandering around more and kind of could explore more. And now I, I have two kids. I'm married. I work like in a building. I don't work remotely at all. So I work in a building from eight to five every day. I go to bed early because my kids wake up early. So it's, it's like, you know, pretty... Uh, Hopefully not rigid, but definitely structured. So how how was being a parent? I love it. So you have two kids, you done? You have any more? No, we're done. Yeah, I, my kids are young. Uh, they're both under three. Uh, so it's, it's um, you know, it's not, I don't think it's like really hard. It's just constant. It just never stops. There's never like, yeah, we'll give you the afternoon off. It's just like we they always wake up early. They always have needs, you know, but I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be a dad. Do you have any family around? Not in New Orleans, no. That definitely makes it harder. Yeah, definitely. Did Peace Corps or Mozambique prepare you for the pandemic? Yeah, I think kind of, because I was alone a lot and uh, sort of lonely quite a bit. I think in that way, I was already ready to do that stuff, you know, like know how to be alone in that way. It prepared me very well. Okay, these next questions are, are a little more rapid fire, but feel free to expand on any of them. How many first dates did it take you to, until you met your wife? Not that many, actually. Uh, I We met online. This is a kind of funny. I I met her on my first time trying out online dating, and then I just shut down the app, and that was it. That was my first online date. Yeah. Okay, so you went on one first date. Well, I mean, a, a couple before then, but the the, the only online date I ever. Oh, uh, okay. On. You actually did a few old fashioned first dates. Old fashioned, exactly. Oh wow. Okay. I mean, twenty twelve. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like on the cusp, I guess. Right. Right. How many Peace Corps weddings have you attended? Just one, uh, Jema and Chris. How many cats do you have? I have zero cats. What pets do you have? I have a, I have a dog. And what are your new hobbies? Uh, my big hobby is being a parent. That is what I do most of the time. If your family wasn't around you, you would go find someone else's family and, and, and do some parenting for them or. <laughs> I think I'm getting better at it. You know, there's like all these different activities that I'm doing. I'm like, there's like podcasts and books that are part of my hobby that I'm learning to get better at being a parent. And I'm like thinking a lot and talking a lot with other people that share my hobby. You know, That's probably a healthy approach. If it's, if it's a hobby type of thing that you actually enjoy learning and doing everything about it that probably is du double whammy there 
I guess so. I mean, it's also a job, but yeah, maybe a hobby is a better way to think about it. Have your politics changed? Uh, no, no, I'm still very liberal, and I was back then too. Who was the last Peace Corps volunteer you saw? I actually was excited to be able to answer this question because just, I think it was this week, like a few days ago, I saw Jama at a children's museum in Boston. Uh, my two kids and her kid got together. Oh, cool. Uh, were you just going, going vacation? I, my, my wife's family was celebrating Passover. So we all went to celebrate Passover over there. And then she lives in Boston. So we were able to make it happen. Yeah, it was very sweet. When and who was the last Mozambican you either saw or spoke to? It was probably a week ago, or maybe two weeks ago. The Gashbar, the the guy that I shared a keen tall with, he was he was one of the members of the organization. He was like my what do they you know the the person I was paired with, whatever that was called initially in Peace Corps. Anyway, yeah, I I still am in contact with him, less so than I was a few years ago, but. That there's been a war in Cabo Delgado for a few years now, so I I'm always interested in how he's doing. He and his family are still alive and like working and just trying to have a life there. But I I um like a little PSA if people don't know about the Joseph Hanlon newsletter. I think Autumn told me about it and and I signed up and it's really helpful. Can you say more about that? I... Yeah, it's it's like a. I actually don't really know. I probably should know more about who this guy is, or, but I, I think he's associated with a, a university there and he just takes a deep dive into like the different newspapers and, and uh, journalism that's happening. And he gives like a little brief pretty often, like, like every week or more than every week. Uh, and he's been reporting a lot about the war in Cabo Delgado. So this is specifically to Cabo Delgado province or Mozambique as a country? Mozambique as a country. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and it's free and it seems pretty um, legit. It's online? It's like an e email? Yeah, just email newsletter. Mm -hmm. Did you visit Mozambique? Yeah, I actually did. I went back to Macomia, I think it was 2015, 2016. And just to, just to go back, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, it was sort of weird, you know, it was, it was like, this is probably cliche too, but it, it felt like nothing had really changed that everything still looked pretty much the same, like a new shop or two. Um, some people were there, some people moved or died, but it was basically the same. And I felt very different, you know? Uh, and actually one thing I haven't thought about for a while was that I, I was staying in a little, a, a side room adjacent to where I, I had lived as a Peace Corps volunteer. And it wasn't as secure as the house that I had lived in. And um, as I was sleeping, like one of the first nights, some guys tried to tried to rob me um, and they didn't succeed. But it was it was scary. Actually, that was kind of traumatic. Did your wife go with you? No, she didn't. And I'm glad now that she didn't, because that would have been pretty scary, I think, for her. Were you like, were you kind of picking up where you left off Peace Corps lifestyle? Like, were you sh like take, taking shoppers and? Yeah, I didn't do anything like very fancy. I just stayed there for like 10 days and then I came home. Will Will you go back to Mozambique again? I would love to go back. I won't go back anytime soon. It, it's a very unsafe place, especially where I was living right now. Um, 
you know, like people are being ambushed and the roads are really dangerous and it sounds really scary to go back there, but I would love for my kids to see it someday. But I think I also want them to be old enough to be able to like fight off any <laughs> like malaria or something that they might get while they're over there. So it'll probably be a few years. All right, let's go pre-Peace Corps. Okay. Why did you join the Peace Corps? I joined because I think I wanted to, you know, it, it felt like the the next step. It felt like a good next step. I, I had studied international relations, so I wanted to use my degree and I wanted some adventure and I wanted to travel and I was very idealistic. It's like, yeah, I'll be able to really make a big change in the world, you know? <laughs> so, and, and Peace Corps had all those things. So how did you end up in Mozambique? Well, it, it was, it was not a, I think a lot of people have this experience. I hope they don't anymore now that Peace Corps changed how they do placements and stuff, but it was totally haphazard. I remember I, I'd signed up and I go, okay, now you just wait. You've been approved or whatever. Now you just wait for the, the call. And they said, all right, you have, you know, they sent me like a paragraph in an email about a site placement in Mo Mali, I think it was. I don't remember exactly, but um, they said, you have, you know, tell us as soon as you can, if you want to accept this placement, it starts in whatever soon. Like, oh my God, okay. And I had to look up where Molly was on a map. I'm embarrassed to say, and I'm doing some research. And then I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll just I'll just do it. I'm ready. And I called them back and at like probably 12 hours later, it wasn't very long after. And uh, like, oh, I'm sorry, it's been filled already. Like, oh, okay. Uh, so it was just, it was like this whole, you know, I'm starting to imagine my life and Molly and looking up pictures or whatever. And then, and then Mozambique was a little bit better than that, but, but not much. It was a, not a great system. Yeah. What was your biggest fear about either Peace Corps or Mozambique before you left? I think it was that I wouldn't be strong enough to make it through the whole experience. And looking back now, I mean, it, it, I don't think it has anything to do with strength or not, uh, or a reflection on your character, but that's what I thought at the time. I really didn't want to let myself down. I wanted to do the adventure. I, I had some kind of fear about like being in a place by myself, potentially kind of without like laws or rules in place, but that wasn't my primary thing. Okay, let's transition to training in the Masha. Okay. What sticks with you from the Masha? Either about training or about just living there? One, this is not like the whole experience, but there's just one little story. And that is that there was a probably 12, 13 year old girl that was the like, you know, helper for the family that I was placed with. And, and I, Jama and I sometimes talk about this because it was so silly, but she, she used to sing like, or kind of say, I guess, Natani, Natani, Fazia Matubishu Paraeli. And she would say that like every morning, she would make me eggs with like tomatoes. Um, I kind of remember this being a thing that they tried to help families understand. It's like cooking a scrambled egg is something that some Americans really enjoy. And I don't think a lot of people were eating that in Mozambique, at least where we were. So they had to kind of learn how to do that. And 
they were she was really nice but they were terrible eggs it was like deep fried i still remember so <laughs> much oil i mean it would be sitting in the oil you know it was, it was really gross but yeah it sticks with me nice you, you have to wrap those you have to wrap those eggs in in bread that's what i should have done do you have a favorite memory from namasha or is that it no no that's not my favorite memory uh it was just being part of this big group. I really, more and more, I realized that I like being part of a group of people like, you know, like in college or high school, just being part of a cohort, being part of a class or a team. I really enjoyed that a lot. And so when I was, when, when we first started out in Peace Corps, it felt really fun like to be going to the classes with people, the same people every time and little trips. And yeah, I really liked that. It felt it felt supportive. It felt really fun. They're like similar interests. We all had a shared goal. There's felt like there's a lot of idealism. It was exciting. All right, let's transition to your service. What three words would you use to best describe your experience? Humbling, because I learned that I could only do so much. Lonely because I was lonely often there and it changed my life for sure because, um, yeah, I never saw, I don't know. I, I, I why was it life-changing? There's a lot of reasons it was life-changing, but I, it really just changed my view of the world, I guess. What do you miss most about Mozambique? I was, since I was just listening to Naomi's, um, uh, podcast episode i was just thinking about the people too but that it's it's not not even the people themselves but just the way that they do relationships there the way that they go slow spend time together give to each other the kind of um the way that they kind of like hook each other in like you know probably a lot of us got those <laughs> at the time it felt like kind of like a backhanded compliment like i haven't seen you for so long where have you been you know but those things really apply pressure to say hey i really want to see you more that's that's like what's being communicated you know and i and i like all that stuff and and i it's it's different with people that i'm around in in the us can you incorporate some of that back, back into your relationships now yeah, I try. Yeah, I try. I think the going slow piece is hard because the culture around you is so fast, you know? What do you miss least about Mozambique? I Well, it's kind of the flip side of the relationship, how people do relationships thing. I had a lot of people that I liked. I would, you know, I'd do my little circuit, you know, passear every night, basically. And I really enjoyed it. But But there was a there was the way that I think about it now is that there was some distance or some gap between me and people that I was around that I just couldn't quite like uh, fill. And I don't, I think it's just, I don't know. I'm not sure even now what it really was, maybe just so different in terms of our ways of being brought up or backgrounds or ways of thinking. I'm not sure, but it just felt lonely. That, that was the loneliness. It was like, you know, people say they can be lonely in a room full of people. Like, that's what it felt like. There were people all around who I cared about and who cared about me, but there was just the closeness that I have with like family and friends here that I just never felt there. Do you think that's a language barrier? No, no. I mean, I wasn't 
I wasn't perfect at Portuguese, but I spoke well enough that I could like express myself and understand well enough. It wasn't that it was, it was something it was, I think it was cultural. How good's your Portuguese now? Not good. Yeah. I, I speak Spanish and I've, I've been speaking Spanish since I was a counselor at that group home. And up to now I speak Spanish with patients and stuff like professionally. So I, I use it pretty often, but I use Spanish, but I don't use Portuguese. And I had to kind of choose at some point because it, um, it just keep, it kept like bleeding in because it's pretty similar. Yeah. What are a few things you did a lot in Mozambique that you either never or rarely do now? Uh, walk and flip flops. I don't do that often anymore. And that's all that I used to do. Um, I was just listening to you, James, talk about burning plastic bags to start fires. I haven't done that since, uh, since I was there. And I don't read for leisure, like many hours of every week, you know, I remember reading like really dense, like Russian novels, you know, for like four hours at a time, I'm not doing that anymore. What was the best dense Russian novel you read in Peace Corps? Um, or what was your favorite? I think I think I read some like Dostoevsky or something. I, I realized that I sound sort of pretentious, but the reason that I did that was because I realized <laughs> this, is, this is I'm never gonna have this time again. I just sort of knew that. And I remember it was like 600 pages, like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, I'll do it. I can't remember any off the top of my head, though. So I guess that shows you how how much they had left an impression on me. <laughs> what was your malaria medication adherence plan? This made me remember that I loved larium initially. I remember that was the, for whatever reason, that's the drug that I was assigned in, in training. And I still remember, like, I, I remember saying this, I would use this recreationally. But I remember like, whoa, it really felt to me like my life had been doubled when I started taking larium because I, I, so many vivid dreams that I could recall. It felt like sort of exhausting because I was just doing so much work at night. You know, I was kind of excited to go to sleep. But after a while, I started realizing <laughs> if it's messing with my dreams that much, then that's probably not a great thing. You know, that's my brain. That's my mind. Uh, so I didn't end up taking it. For, I don't know, probably six or eight months and then I got malaria and then I started taking it again. So you had a, you had a, a short break. I had a short break from larium. Yeah. And then looking at it now, I don't think they use that anymore. Um, I remember reading some stuff about the, the neurological side effects and things like that. I don't, I don't, if I'm, unless I'm wrong, I don't think they prescribe that much anymore for long-term. especially. If anyone listening has more details, share it on the Slack group. Yeah, please. What was the worst thing you did or the most trouble you could have gotten into? Define those terms however you'd like. I didn't I didn't do that much bad. I, I think early on I saw the type of uh, people I was paired with, they were kind of on me, you know. So one of them saw that I was on a motorcycle taking a ride down to my house or something and they like reported it. And so they were kind of on me. Is this a Mozambican or a Peace Corps volunteer? This is a Mozambican. The administrator of the town was kind of out to get me too. So I had to be kind of good. Yeah. They, they thought he thought I was a government spy. I remember that. He said that when, when somebody, I forget some um, Peace Corps staff came and tried to smooth it out. And he was like, if he does, if he, 
what was oh no no it was a it was a group remember there was a group for for young people i'm trying i can't remember what it was called but it was one of the programs that you could start like oh a yeah yeah program. yeah I, i'm forgetting now Juntush? i don't know that that sounds like it yep i was trying to start that and he was like if you try that again i will kick you out of the town because you're you're spying or government something something i was like okay sure i won't do that I definitely remember the, you know, the spy thing, but not, not to that extreme. I didn't spy on anybody. That's good. For the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you were a spy, that's what you would have to say. You, you couldn't tell us about your spying. That's true. That's true. Especially not on a big public podcast like this one. Yes. Oh, absolutely not. So how's Peace Corps changed you? Well, this is a hard one, but one way is that it made me more interested in getting to know people like on a, on a deeper level, which I think is tied into psychology that I'm doing now. But, you know, like understanding who they are, what their story is, what led them to the, in my case, when I'm working with people now, like what, um, what problems or issues they have. But you know, one thing, like not in a, a creepy way, but when I'm walking by places now, like in New Orleans, take my dog for a walk and I see a lamp on or like a ceiling fan going, it always makes me curious. Like what, what's, what are the lives that are happening in that place? Yeah. Just interested in the other, I guess. Maybe besides how you've changed, what lasting impressions does the Peace Corps have on you today? When I read this question, the first thing that came to mind was a talk that somebody, I can't remember who, maybe somebody listening is going to remember, but there was a, I believe it was a US aid worker who was a return Peace Corps volunteer. And I think he was in Tanzania, but I, I can't remember. But he said that you all, something like you all will get more out of this experience as Peace Corps volunteers and the people that you work with. And I, and I was like, there's no way that's going to be true for me. You know, it was, it was like, it, it, it sort of was haunting a little. I mean, that's kind of overstating it, but it was a challenge. It inspired me to, to try to really do the best that I could. But in the end, I think maybe that's true that, you know, it changed how I thought about things. It probably influenced my path in life, maybe more than whatever good I did there. And I think the reasons that I maybe thought that going in were probably some hubris or some like naivete or idealism or maybe like this white savior complex, maybe any one of those things. But uh, anyway, that's one like kind of lasting impression that comes to mind of, of basically of the influence it had on me. And I hope that I did some good, but I remains to be seen. Well, it's also, uh, I think Barbara and I talked about this a little, a little bit. It's impossible to measure. How would you measure the impact you had? But like you are inside your head, like you're absolutely inside your head. So you know the impact that it had on you. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, mean, I hope that I like helped that organization. Maybe they saved a life by preventing HIV. That would be sufficient for me if one person used condom and then, you know. I'm sure you saved multiple lives at least. Or at least you were involved in people that saved probably countless lives. I like that. I like, I'll take. Absolutely. Do you have any Fofoka to share besides the lives that you've been saving unknowingly? No, I'll skip that one.
What do you think of Peace Corps as a government agency? Besides sending spies to your town that you were in. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Well, relatedly, I think there's been more like more talk and literature, it seems like in the past few years, maybe, about whether or not the Peace Corps is a kind of neo-colonial tool for the US, um, like a soft power play. And so I I sort of worry about that. I mean, if you look up like neo-colonialism Peace Corps, there's there's a lot of articles about that um, and and whether or not it's better to spend send money in different ways and not spend whatever they spent on me and you to go live in Mozambique. You could just give that money to people or whatever other mechanisms to help them. Uh, so yeah, I think about that. Um, but I also... I really do believe that like the ways that it changed me, the ways that it changed how I think about the world and having more maybe appreciation, knowledge about other cultures, I think that indirectly is a really powerful thing because then hopefully that changes, you know, maybe my politics or how I choose to live my life in ways that are important and helpful. So in that way, I think it is a good thing. Did you see any changes in family or friends through your experience? Well, one one really tangible thing is that even now, if things are happening in the news that actually come to the like the U.S. news about Mozambique, people will send it to me. Oh my gosh, you hear about this? How are people doing? So people are more aware that Mozambique is a place that real people live in. And so even that alone, I think that greater awareness is a good thing. So with that said, would you join Peace Corps again? Yeah, I would. I would because I think it was so transformational, it was so interesting, and also it it changed me. And I would I think I would do it as a retirement thing, like once my kids are out of the house and when they're in their 20s or something. Yeah. I could definitely see that being a cool thing to do with my wife, have a have an amazing experience and and now I also think about how like if I really could make change, I could make so much more change now than I could when I was 22 with no skills, no work experience, no, like no knowledge, really. Um, now I have like very specialized knowledge that could probably be helpful. I think almost everyone has, has mentioned something about, yes, I, I would do it again. But the more I think about it, the more I think we're probably not being completely honest with, with ourselves because Really, like we're we're gonna go stay with a host family. Let's just say that 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 we were to rejoin and they put us to teach English as a second language. Like that's absolutely waste of maybe maybe not my skills, but your skills. That's absolutely waste of your skills, right. and you're taking that spot from a 22 year old that can right. gain so much from the world and can't do anything but teach English as a second uh -huh. language. <laughs> uh -huh. it's true it's true no i think i would have to go i, I sometimes get the emails from the, the art what is it called r cp whatever return peace corps volunteer return, or something yeah. yeah yeah i get those emails sometimes and it's like i would probably want to do the one that's like we need somebody with mental health training to like kind of um help our psychologists or whatever like that kind of thing that would probably be more of a fit i would do it yeah do you have any media recommendations? Yeah, I mean, I have some like parenting. What's your favorite parenting media? 
Um, my favorite parenting, well, one, my favorite parenting book was, was, um, precious little sleep, which is basically a sleep training book that helped me to sleep train both of my kids. And, you know, I would pay any amount of money to be able to sleep <laughs> throughout, through the night. And, and it worked It was like, you just basically, I mean, there's a whole process, but you just don't get them when they're crying and eventually they stop crying. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but you read the book and it, it works, you know? Um, and then the podcast is um, Dr. Becky has a podcast called Good Inside. It's a little corny. It's a psychologist that does it. And I think it's, I think it's nice. But it's specifically for parenting. Correct. Yeah. How about a uh, favorite children's book? There's a book called, I think it's Julian is a mermaid, I think is the title of the book. It's a really nice one. It's beautifully drawn. And it's also a nice story about like, kind of gender and yeah I like it do you have a favorite children's film uh Mr. Rogers I'm re-watching some Mr. Rogers with my kids it is just so nice this is the original the original what are you watching it that slow talk about slow if you just go on YouTube and you can find it and it's like I remember there's a scene where he he I think he watches like a turtle no, 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 no. There's a, yeah, he does. But there's another one where he watches like, I wonder what a minute is. And he looks at a clock for a minute. Just watching the seconds tick by, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a good one. That's nice. Yeah. That's a nice antidote to our world, I think. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? Mm, well, if anybody's in New Orleans, come on by. Love to say hi. All right. Well, Nathan, thanks a lot for your time. And if anyone would like to get to reconnect with Nathan a little bit, he is in the Slack group. Mm-hmm. Thanks, James. All right, man. Hey, most fam. This is Shane from Mo16, Shamoyu. James was very generous to give me a minute here to speak about Friends of Mozambique, which is a 501c3 nonprofit founded by Mo's RPCVs is a way of continuing to make a positive impact in Mozambique post-Peace Corps service. The most important thing that we do is fund small grants to community groups in Mozambique. Projects have ranged from everything from teaching girls to code to youth empowerment through soccer. As a small organization, we are very intentional about choosing small, always less than $1,500, but impactful projects to get the most bang for our donors' buck. The best thing about Friends of Moe's is that 100% of donations go directly to projects in Mozambique we have essentially zero overhead and have a great board, including former country director Carl Swartz, Peace Corps staff Ophelia Shuva, and uh, several RPCVs who you may know. If you want to learn more about Friends of Mo's, go to friendsofmozambique.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're not on the TikTok yet, but maybe one day. You can learn more about our projects and make a donation if you are able. We guarantee your donations will be making a huge impact in Mozambique. Um, thanks, everyone. Estamos juntos.